Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot of the times when I see, you know, especially these younger entrepreneurs who have just got started, that's not necessarily what I see. Mm. It's them dipping their toe in absolutely everything, saying yes to everything going after the latest fad because they read about it or they heard about it and everyone else is using it. And they're just pushing and they're grinding the gears and they're working as hard as possible at the expense of their health, at the expense of their mind, at the expense of their relationships. And it leads them to an end road. And that end road isn't necessarily where they want to go. And I think the people who I admire the most, it's not about how hard or long they work. It's about how smart they were. It's about they give themselves the time to figure out what it is that they want. How you day, how you day. So I have a question for you. What is hustle? Is it beneficial or detrimental to your health? That's the discussion that Matthew and I got into today. And you will find out that we both had different ideas and different approaches to what exactly hustle is. But overall, we agreed in the big picture. But I want you to listen to this to understand, you know, how different sets of people think about the word hustle and maybe where you fall in line uh, in our friendly debate. Matthew is a very interesting guy from the United Kingdom and is someone who is sort of used his ability to storytell to impact a whole generation of people. He mixes nonfiction and fiction in an interesting way, and he has a platform. That really encourages people to be themselves. We dove into his story, his processes, and what his thoughts were on hustle. Would love to hear your thoughts. I want to know if you agree with me, if you agree with Matthew, or maybe you have your own opinion. You know, I, I think uh, uh, creating opportunities for open dialogue is one of the the least utilized uh, opportunities that we have for growth today. So I hope you enjoy this episode and you share. Take a listen. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Matthew Turner. Now, Matthew helps millennial entrepreneurs align their businesses and mindset so that they can build a legacy that changes the world. He does this through writing, lots of articles, and a few books along the way. He's currently writing one, actually. And he also does this through creating community and driven experiences that bring like-minded people together so that they can create the true transformation that they desire. Today, we're going to be talking about his Hanty uh, hustle mentality, as well as just his background, how he got into developing leaders and why he's so passionate about being a creative. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Real g- glad to be here. Pleasure is mine. Where are you calling me from? I am calling from the north of England in Yorkshire, a little town called Halifax. So yeah, I'm no. just in a little family home at the moment. Um, so yeah, just living the dad life. So have you always grown up there? I have, actually, yeah. Born and bred, Halifax, doing a bit of traveling here and there. But yeah, my roots are here, and I've got my two kids here. So. Well, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like you're pretty settled then. You know, Halifax is a spot for you there. I have to check. I haven't been to England since I was a very, very young kid. So it's got to get back. It's a beautiful part of the world. It is uh, not as beautiful at this time of year gets dark early, kind of cold and wet and windy. Although so far, winter's been quite crisp, so it's nice. Yeah, <laughs> lots of hillsides, greenery. It's, um, I take it for granted, but sometimes I just look out of a window and I see like my view and go, wow, yeah, a lot of people would kill for this. So yeah, it's a lovely part of the world. And Yorkshire, they say, is, is like God's country. So Wow. Well, well. Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> no, no, the reason I was saying that, and I love the fact that you painted that, that uh, scenic view, is I wonder... 
how growing up in Halifax influenced you today? How did it impact your life as you're essentially your thought leader for millennials? So what were you watching as a kid? What led you down this path of being a writer or a creative and someone that's bringing people of like-minded um, you know, mindsets together to build uh, transformation that you seek? Yeah, it's probably quite interesting. I've not really thought about it too much, like the impact Halifax had, but it's, it's a small town. It's, uh, so it's got that kind of small town mentality, I suppose, that can impact negatively from an entrepreneurial sense at times, I think, compared to when you maybe grew up in a city. But what cities do is it's constantly moving, constantly busy. It's real hustle and bustle. And I've never been a fan of crowds or busyness or, you know, too much of a chaotic rush. I like to, you know, take a step back. I like to go at my own pace. And I've, I've learned more and more, especially over the last sort of 18 months when I started to know that I was going to have my second child, just how much I don't like the hustle, just how much I don't like the mentality of waking up at the crack of dawn, work, work, work until you've got nothing left, going to sleep and just doing that day in, day out. I don't think that allows you to live life on your terms. I think you get caught up in into the stream of social media and comparing yourself to others and striving towards a version of success that society deems successful and the media what you watched in movies and read in books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it gives you no time to reflect. It gives you no time to smell the roses. And it was in the summer of 2017, I guess, when I learned I was going to be a father for the second time. I was like, I want to have time for Imogen. I want to have time for George. I want to have time to enjoy life. I want to write books. I want to have this ambitious, vision-driven career but I don't want it to be at the expense of my family. I don't want it to be at the expense of you know, my relationships and my personal world. I want to bring them together in some way. And I think I realized, and I realized before then, but it really hammered home at this point, just how anti-hustle I am. So that's kind of inspired a lot of my book that I'm currently working on. And now that you mention it, I think growing up in a place like Halifax fuels that because it is a small town mentality. It's not hustle and bustle. Yeah. You know, you don't go into the street and you're shoulder to shoulder for 10 blocks. It's, it's easier going, you know? So I think growing up around here has rubbed off on me. Whenever I go to a city like London, I like it for a couple of days, but then I'm just like, hands up in the air. Okay, <laughs> ready to go now. It's too busy for me. <laughs> I suppose it does play a role, but I guess what I'm really curious about is this uh, anti-hustle mentality that you, you talk about. You said you don't believe that the hustle allows you to build the empire. It only allows you to build a business. You said that to me before we, mm. we started recording. Why do you believe that? I mean, we, we're in an age where you, you have the Gary V's of the world talking about the daily, daily grind and the daily hustle, and it sounds like you're against that. Yeah, I am. I mean... <laughs> I think it's got a place. We all have to hustle from time to time. You know, if you've got a deadline, if you've got a new project, you might have to work longer and harder than you would like. We've all got to play from time to time. But it's a means to an end. It's not the end goal. In the same way as when I used to play rugby, in pre-season training, you would have to like bust a gut to get fit and kind of get match fit after being off for a few weeks. Yes. But you didn't train with the mentality of, oh, I'm going to be like running around with tires on my back for the rest of the season. I'm doing this to get match fit so then I can play the game, you know? So it's going to optimize me and put me in the best possible condition to play the game at a high standard. If you continue to train throughout the season like you do in preseason, you won't be able to play the game. You'll be too tired. You'll be gassed. So it's a means to an end is the hustle. Sometimes you need to hustle to get going and to lay the foundations to kind of get to five or six figures. But I think one of the big things, which when I speak to people who have, you know, quote unquote made it, you know, they're there, they've figured it out, they've built a good level of success. They start to realize that what got them to here isn't going to get them to there. And if all you do is hustle, 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 you're just going to continue to work harder and longer and push yourself. So you end up at some point hitting the wall. 
That might be emotionally, that might be mentally, that might be physically, that might be at the expense of your relationships, your friendships, your business connections. It could be at the expense of you personally, it could be at the expense of you in many ways. So it gets you to a certain point, but if you want to build an empire, seven figures, eight figures, whatever that version of empire is for you, you know, sustainable so you can live a freeing life, an enjoyable life, a fulfilling life. You want to be able to do that where you can pass it on to others, where you don't have to no longer work 16 hours a day. I mean, do you, I, I've yet to meet a business owner who left their job to set up their own business so they could work 16 hours for the rest of their life. I mean, what would be the point of that? You build it. So one day you can, you know, disappear for a couple of weeks, leave it to your team, see the world. But I think people get caught into this cycle, this hamster wheel of like hustle is everything. Yeah. Because I'm seeing the Gary Vee's of the world doing it. And I'm seeing that guy and I'm seeing that girl. And it's all driven in Instagram and Facebook and everything else. So you're comparing yourself to them going, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not working long enough. They're better than me because they're doing it this way. It's glorifying so, it. Huh. Like you glorifying the, the means rather than the end. And people just lose sight of it. They go after a version of success that they think they need. They go after a lifestyle that they think they want. And at no point do they step back and go, what does success mean to me? What does freedom mean to me? What is my purpose? And a lot of times when people finally do that, they realize, huh, it isn't to work 16 hours a day. It isn't to have a million dollars in my bank account. It isn't to travel the world constantly and never have a time to actually see the places that I'm visiting. So it's, it's so interesting to me because I, I guess I would fall into the category that you, you uh, despise, but, <laughs> but um, I guess my, my argument, and I, I love conversations like this because uh, I always like hearing different perspectives. It's, I don't know that, the, that I've seen it as hustle for hustle's sake. I've seen it more as um, working hard, you know, being dedicated to your craft. And you brought up a sports analogy. I do think of you know, I watch a lot of sports. I do think of people like LeBron James. I was just reading an article on Steph Curry earlier. The fact that the hours you put in um, when others are asleep or you, you taking that shot a hundred more times after you miss so that you know that, that you commit that to mental memory is something that can be replicated, you know, in the biggest moment uh, when it's the NBA finals. And I, you know, I've always thought like that, but you're saying something a little different. You're, you're saying that it doesn't have to be that way. Is if that's what I'm gathering from what you're saying. It's not about hard work. It's about smart work. You don't think so, it's possible to do both? Um, to an extent, sure. But <laughs> if it was the case of just constantly working the hardest, then why is it that the world's greatest athletes have an incredibly strong mindset? Why have, do they have the time for mindfulness? Why do they have the time for retreating themselves? Why is it about they have the time for meditation, yoga, all these kind of things? But that's it's working not, hard too, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it's in a more, is, I mean, would you align that with the hustle? Like removing yourself from the work so that you can work on yourself? So I guess this is my favorite type of podcast. So I guess um, this, that's what I'm saying. So if I start my day off with, um, I, I do this usually with meditation and I ended up in meditation. I'm sort of visualizing and I'm also listening to my breath, you know, in and out, just calming myself down. Now I'm thinking about different things I'm going to see and th different things that I want to do and just taking control of my mindset and making sure it's fortified against negative things so that my mind doesn't control me and so that the subconscious doesn't get there uh, to a negative spot. But after I, I've thought about that and then I think, well, it's time for me to ask you to go do the work. That's usually how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. But that's not a hustle. I mean, some people might describe what I do as, as asking, oh, you're always there, you're always doing that, you're always doing that. Um, no, I, and I'm, I'm this, this. So let me ask you, you're always there, you're always on it. How do you have that energy? I think it's a combination of both, which is what I'm saying. It's because it's, it's, there's some people that would you say. Have, you have that energy because you give yourself the time to work right. on you. You give yourself the time to reflect and present in the moment. You know, no, I agree. Present. People caught in the hustle. I mean, that is, maybe I've got the point across wrong here. The people who I mean are those who get up, they are straight onto their to-do list. 
They're working, they're always filling their days up with more tasks, they're working harder and longer, and they're tricking themselves into believing that they're doing more good work because yeah. they're always doing something. And I'm yeah. saying that doesn't need, that isn't that's hard working, that only gets you so far. Smart working is finding the time to work on you, to say, okay, my mindset is important, you know, being mindful, figuring out what it is that I want. I think we both agree on the fact that being busy for busy's sake is exactly. it, it's it's unnecessary. What I'm saying is I believe it's possible to work hard and smart in the sense that I, as when you have, I think those two things have to work in tandem, especially with, if you want to, you know, become a public, like I, you know, I speak 40 to 50 times a year. The way that I had to do that wasn't, I had to obviously visualize and be mindful one, but I also needed to put in the work to build the relationships, to go to the right conferences, to meet the right people, to read the right books, to come up with my own theories, to come up with my own blogs and, and you know, do the podcast. The podcast is what launched my career. And I would, I would do that while I was also going to school. And I didn't, I guess it didn't seem as it seemed like work to me, but sometimes people would say that's a lot of work for them. But th- all that, the combination of that, and you, maybe you're not sleeping as much, I, that's, you know, not necessarily a good habit, but that's what people would call hustle in the, in the past. You know, it's like, you're always on the grind. Can you come out? No, you're always working. Can you do this? And why are you always writing? So that, that's, that's to me what I've, I've translated as hustle. And to me, that wasn't a negative thing, is what I'm saying. You got kids? Uh, no, I don't have kids. You got a wife or a partner? But no, I've, I've had partners in the past in between, but no, not, not currently. <laughs> okay. So let's say you get married in the next couple of years, you have kids. Do you think you'd be able to live the life you're living now with that? I think if I had, I think that will factor into the partner that I, I, um, I end up with because I, that's, that's a mindset thing for me. I think if, um, Whatever I end up with, I want the person to be able to challenge me as much as I challenge her. And mm-hmm. I want the person to be able to, you know, um, have a mindset of trying to add value to the world. And so that comes with a level of, um, of understanding, of, of mutual understanding. I was reading Becoming by um, Michelle Obama. They actually spoke to these two things. They have kids. And mm-hmm. one was the president of the United States. So it, it was... Um, and she was talking about the, the, the part where you could see Barack on the path to this, this ascendance to presidency, from the Senate to the all that. And they had to have the conversations about time. And they had to go to therapy occasionally, but they had to have a mutual understanding. And I think that's, from my understanding, I'm not married, but a lot of married people said it's, it's constant work and you have to be in dialogue. So I'm saying that's all part of working hard in the sense that Barack didn't become less as neither than Michelle. It's they had a, a conversation about this is what's going to happen. These are the boundaries we have. Come to dinner at six whenever you can. If you don't come to dinner at six, we're still going to have dinner. But make sure you're always there for the kids, regardless of whether you're the president or not. So those are the things that you have conversations around. But that didn't stop his hustle. Or her. No, see, I don't think that's hard work. Though. I think that's working smart, and I think that's having you know the right morals and the right core values. And and it's a really good point that you bring up because. When you think of the president, you think that is a person who is always, like, they must always have stuff to do. Yet when you read stories about presidents and leaders, they seem to have time to read a lot. They still have time for family. They're still able to fit a lot in. And I don't think they do that with the mentality of how hard can I work? Now, do they need to work 13, 14, 15, 16 hour days? I would imagine at times, yes. And I would imagine at a certain level, yeah, a lot. But it's not the end game for them. It's not about how long they work. It's not yeah. about how hard they work. It's about what they produce. And the fact that it isn't just about the work. It's about that they take the time to have therapy with their partner so that they can keep the relationship together. It's so that they can still be present for their kids because that's important. So, so that they can still read because that is vital to them. Yeah. So yeah. I don't see leaders hustling like that. I see them coming up with a lifestyle that works for them. It's about coming up with a, ver- a balance for them, a version for them where they're able to fit it all in. A lot of the times when I see, you know, especially these younger entrepreneurs who have just got started, that's not necessarily what I see. Mm. I see them dipping their toe in absolutely everything, saying yes 
to everything going after the latest fad because they read about it or they heard about it and everyone else is using it and they're just pushing and they're grinding the gears and they're working as hard as possible at the expense of their health at the expense of their mind at the expense of their relationships and it leads them to an end road and that end road isn't necessarily where they want to go and i think the people who i admire the most it's not about how hard or long they work it's about how smart they work. It's about they give themselves the time to figure out what it is that they want. So they might still be getting up at four or five o'clock in the morning and they may still be going to bed at nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And you could argue that a lot of the stuff they're doing in between all that is work related at least, but is exercise you know, part of the work is reading part of the work is going for a walk for an hour so they can just think about their business and think about their life part of the work. I mean, some people would say, yeah, it is because they're not, you know, playing golf or whatever. They're not, you know, spending it with their family. But for me, that isn't hard work. That's not pushing gears. That's taking the time to properly, intentionally, consciously work on the bigger picture. I, I, as uh I honestly think uh, we're just having a definition uh, disagreement because, and, and also, and I, I think it's a little bit of framing because you, you keep saying work smart and I'm saying it's possible to do both. But I think that the definition that I've defined to you is working hard, putting in the time to, to, to be self-aware, to know, to know your strengths, know, and know your weakness, basically understand how to be emotionally intelligent and, and do those things. That's to, that to me, I guess I've not seen hustle as a, as a negative mindset. I feel like that's working hard to understand and to grow, working out, doing, being uh, mentally fit, physically fit, you know, spiritually sound. So I, and, you know, and I agree. I do think when you have no focus and you're just doing what's trendy, that's dangerous, I think. But yeah, I, I just think it's a, it's a definition then. And I do think that that's, um, that comes from a lack of self-awareness and understanding of what your actual empire is that is that you want to build because if you're just doing it to build a quote-unquote successful business to look cool it's going to wear out and it's not going to be built on solid foundation and then that's when you get in trouble uh, at least i don't know if you will agree with that but that's i think we can both agree on, on that particular point no i do agree with that yeah, yeah. okay wow this is good <laughs> we, we, i felt like we were on a on a debate team there but that's awesome. It's like, no, work hard. No, work hard and smart. No, work smart. <laughs> um. I, think it's a, I think it's a good dialogue, though, because like you say, where we seem like we're on the same page and what's been the sticking point is the definition of hustle. So I'm like going to ask your listeners right now, like what does hustle mean to you? For me, when I think of hustle, I see the guy or girl posting how hard they've worked today. I've worked 18 hours, I'm still in the office at three o'clock in the morning, hustle lifestyle, hustle mentality, you know, whatever. That's the way I see it. And there's absolutely no evidence within all that, whether what they're doing has purpose or intention, whether it's actually, you know, busy work or not. Because sometimes keeping yourself busy with work is one of the least things that you can do. Now, that person gives me sort of some evidence that part of their eight-hour day has been going to therapy, going to the gym, going for an hour walk and thinking about it, meeting with mentors. That's when I'm like, okay, that's not a hustle mentality. That's just a good, hard work ethic mentality. So it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's I definitely. Ask, I ask your listener right now, it's like, what does hustle mean to you? What does hard work mean to you? What does smart work mean to you? Yeah, where is, the, where is this sort of fine line between all this? Because it, it does differ for everyone. Does, like some yeah. people's ideal lifestyle involves working for three or four hours a day so they can enjoy the rest of the day to do whatever. Where some people love their work and their work-related activities and they want to be fueling 12 hours of their day or more doing it. Not because it's this hustle mentality, but it's like they get so much pleasure from that. And that's part of it. So it's about defining. And one of the big things which I'm really passionate about is ensuring that whatever someone does, 
whether it's work-related, personal-related, a little bit of both, is to ensure that there's purpose behind it, intention. And the only way you can do that is to be conscious about what it is. So like, what is hustle to you? What is success to you? What is freedom to you? Like, what is the definition to you? Because too often we end up following someone else's version of the definition, you know, a societal version, you know, a media-driven version, a mentor's version, and you just really look up to them. And at no point you actually ask yourself, what does this mean to me? And I think once you figure that out, you can't be right or wrong. <laughs> you know, it just is. It's defined yep. to you, and it, therefore it matters. Yeah, no, I mean, th- I definitely agree with that. I think that comes down to the whole self-awareness aspect and um, really gaining clarity on what it is that you want to achieve. What is, what is your actual mission? What is, what is, how does your skill set help you, you know, get to that mission? And how can you um, maximize your day and your life by consistently doing that? And, um, you know, you, you do that a lot with a lot of the, the writings you do. And speaking of your writing, your latest book, you said it's the first of its kind. Why do you say that? Um, so are you aware of like what a, what a parable is? Yes, I am aware of uh, a parable, but for the audience that may not know what a parable is, maybe not Bible readers, what would you describe a parable as? (laughs) (laughs) A parable is like a blend of fiction and nonfiction. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So it's uh, bringing in this notion of it's a fictional tale, but it's bringing in a sort of nonfiction element. So whether that nonfiction element is, you know, a business process and it's being interweaved and playing a big role in the story, or whether it's more, you just more sort of inspirational and exponential and it's bringing in aspects like mindset or whatever. And it's bringing in, but in a very sort of narrative driven way. And a really great example of it, which a lot of people will, if, if not read, heard of, is the alchemy. And it's this idea where you read it, it's fiction, but it doesn't feel like this story that is just there for escapism. You know, it's, it's got a tangible lesson behind it. It's got something of real meaning behind it. And that is what my latest book is. It's, I'm, I'm still writing it right now, but it's, uh, it's a fictional story that's very much set in the real world. I'm interviewing real world people who those listening may or may not have heard of and follow and admire. And the person, like a lead character, Ferdinand, is going through this, what we've described so far, you know, hustle for hustle's sake. Very successful um, startup entrepreneur, only ever known success, only ever known things to go the right way. But he reaches a point in his journey where he starts to question, like, what is it that he's doing? Why is he doing that? Like, is he conscious of the journey he's on? Or is he striving to become a billionaire just because? Because that's what he's led to believe he needs to do. So it's a book which I don't think has been written before because one, I don't see too many parables for the millennial audience. And this is very much for the millennial. It's a business parable in that sense but also that it's very much a fictional tale set in the real world. Like it's bringing in real world people, even though it's a fictional lead character in a fictional journey in a fictional company. So it, it is going to feel like it's in the real world, even though 
the dude at the center of it all is blending of reality and not um, and, and and yeah basically that's it yeah it's uh, that's definitely interesting i the audience knows i read a lot to go through um i went through 100 books last year i'm doing that again this year so it's always and i, I mix fiction and nonfiction, but parables growing up in a religious household those were the best ways to get kids in sunday schools to understand lessons or, or to get them to think and put themselves in a position of whoever the protagonist or antagonist was you know how would you feel if that happened to you and it was almost like a game because you were like you know maybe there'll be different scenarios that people will present to you and you would see yourself as one of the scenarios and then if that 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 person ends up being the antagonist you're like oh i do that maybe you're right that's the lesson i got there so i get the sense that your book is going to do the same thing where you're you're setting it in real life and real world scenarios but you're also teaching people uh, um, different perspectives and maybe one of the villains in your book will be hustle and then, <laughs> and then uh, but you talk about that, but is, is that correct? You're, you're, you feel like that's a, another way to engage um, the millennial entrepreneurs in today's generation to sort of see themselves in different scenarios? Yeah, well, first of all, the reason, like the true reason I'm writing this book is because my background in writing is, um, is in fiction. I've written three novels and a bunch of short stories, and it's where, like, I suppose my passion where I feel like my best writing comes forward. And I've always had this um, dream of one day bringing together my fiction and non-fictional worlds. And this book feels like the, the starting of that. Um, so I'm really excited for that since that's like why I'm personally reading it. But one of the big drivers for why I'm writing this for the millennial generation is, and, and it's linked to the hustle mentality, I'll speak to entrepreneurs and I'll speak to business owners who, you know, they, they might be successful, might, they're doing okay. They're no longer, you know, worried about whether they can pay their bills this month. So they're, they're successful in that sense, you know, they're not, you know, on the, on the poverty line or anything. But they get caught up into this cycle where they only ever read or consume business books, you know? Yeah, I'm sure you know the exact kind of books yeah. that I mean. There's a lot of them, and I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they aren't good. A lot of them are, and you can get a lot out of them. Okay, so I'm not saying don't read business books, but then when you ask them, so what else do you like? Do you read any fiction? I don't have time for that. No. Fast forward to the people who I speak to who are like quote unquote again already made it, like figured it out. They're very successful you know they've got the time they've got the freedom they've got the business empire they've got a lot of money there's sort of people who you aspire towards they're pulling you along i speak to those guys and girls and they don't tend to read many of the business books anymore and they'll say things to me like once you've read 20 of those you've, you've read them all you know and sometimes you can go in there and get a very tactical tangible piece of advice from it and it'll show you how to do something that's really good, but you'll get what you need from about 10 pages and the rest of the book is, is not really that important to you. The books they read though are novels, philosophy, history, autobiography, and they get everything they need in terms of inspiration and ideas from those books because it's tapping into a different part of their brain. It's allowing them to just step around the obstacle and just free themselves, much in the same way as a little bit of meditation will, a bit of yoga, just going for a walk. One guy I, I love online called Sal Orwell, he like goes for a walk every single day for an hour. He doesn't do any work, he just thinks about whatever. A lot of the time he'll think about work, sometimes he won't. He's, he's a successful guy, you know, he's one of the, a true thought leader. He finds time to just walk, to just go for a walk and to just tap into a different part of his brain which isn't engaged when you know, you're at the keyboard or you're on social media or you're doing the work. And I think reading novels is very much like that. And I don't think there's enough millennial entrepreneurs reading novels. So I wanted to create a book where it's like, you're gonna learn something that you need from this novel. So it's not just pure escapism. It's not like I'm asking you to read Fifty Shades of Grey. You know? It's not like I'm asking you to read the Harry Potter series.
People don't have the time to read the books they want to. They don't have time to read philosophy. They don't have time to read fiction because they're too busy working. So I'm like, okay, well, this book is going to help you with your work. This book is going to help you with your business and your entrepreneurial roller coaster. But it's not a typical business book. It is going to allow you to escape. It is going to allow you to tap into a part of your brain that you wouldn't tap into if you were reading the latest how-to whatever. That is one of the key reasons why I've written this because I don't think there's too many books like that. And I've, well, I see it. Millennials in particular, the younger generation, which I'm, I'm part of still. I'm, I'm on the older scale of the millennials, but I'm very much part of it. And I, and I get it. You know, we don't give ourselves the justification to read that sort of books because it's not related to this business. It's not going to help us. We just don't justify it in his head, so we don't do it. Hmm. So, no, by the way, those are all the reasons I hear it. But I think the way you can reframe a lot of what you said, and I'm sure, you know, you made a great point where you said when you read about 10 business books, you start to get a shorthand of basically what all the business books are about. But with, with fiction, you can always get introduced to a new story. But then, you, you know, when you followed up with what people normally say, it's they, they don't have enough time or they don't, um, you know, have the ability to meditate because it's going to cut into their days. Would you say that's more of a time management thing as opposed to actually not having enough time? Because you also said before that top entrepreneurs do this and they're the ones that are the ones, um, you know, building love the apps that we use today, whether it's the, you know, rest in peace, Steve Jobs or, um, you know, Elon Musk's and all, all, all of them, you know, they would say they read about 50 to 60 books a year. So it is. It's a complete time management thing. And a lot of time it comes down to, <laughs> I know, I keep bringing it back down to this sort of hustle mentality, but when I think of a hustle, I see people caught working in their business. Okay. They're doing the work, they're doing everything. They might, be, they might have a team, but they're micromanaging, but very much caught in the business. And a lot of times it might feel like you're a bit of a glorified employee. It's like you hire yourself to, be, to run this business. Those people who kind of at the top of their game, they don't tend to work in the business, they work on their business. And as soon as you start working on your business, you free up time to do other important things. And those important things are different for everyone. So it might be reading books, it might be taking cooking classes, it might be you know, going to the gym, it might be meditation, it might be just disappearing off the face of the earth for two weeks. You know, you've got the time. We all have 1,440 minutes each day. Some people get more out of those minutes than others, because they're not consumed by the hustle and grind and that hustle bustle mentality where I've just got to be working all the time. Yeah. So that's what it comes down to. It's 100% a time management issue. Yeah. I always look at it like this, like you, I'm guessing pretty much every single day you shower, wash your face, brush your teeth, floss, that kind of thing, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> how, how long would you guess it takes you each morning or evening whenever you do it? Oh, man, I mean, shower, brush teeth, maybe max 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Yeah. I would say that is pretty standard for a lot of people. Now, there might be a lot of women, a lot of guys too watching this, they might even have another half an hour because they uh, put a makeup on or whatever. Yeah. yeah, or the the tw- they, they they have to get your mustache like you. Are. For those that don't know Matthew Turner, that's a great mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, sorry, I interrupted your point. <laughs> it's and and these are things that we find time. So let's just say you don't do any makeup, or, you know, you prune your mustache like me, and it takes you half an hour. If you were if you were to wake up tomorrow and not have a shower, not wash your face, and not brush your teeth, are you all of a sudden gonna like? die your teeth are just gonna drop out you're just gonna be like this horrendous living creature no no i mean no i mean it's It'll be all right you yeah. can go a few days without washing you can you don't have to brush your teeth every day we do it because it's habit the point is we find time to do that every day because we deem it important yeah yep. and that is the point of time management if you deem something important you can usually find the time. Now, it will often be at the expense of something else. If you want to get that half an hour of washing and cleaning in the morning, it means you need to wake up half an hour early. Yeah. But it's important. You think it's important. You feel like you need to do it. So you don't even think about it. It's like, yeah, I need to wake up half an hour early so I didn't do all that and then start my day. And that's what it comes down to. If you deem reading 
books important. You can find time often to read books. If you deem going for a walk important, you can find the time to do so. If you deem meditation, whatever, filling back important enough, you can find the time. Now, it will be at the expense of something because time is finite. All right? It's very relative here on Earth, 1,440 minutes every single day. So if you want to spend half an hour reading, it's going to be at the expense of something else. But the people who are working on their business, who are looking in their business, they're like, right, what am I currently working on in the business that I could delegate to somebody else, outsource? Just remove altogether because it isn't actually that important. And all of a sudden you do that time and time again, you free up hours per day, you know, tens of hours each week. So you can actually do the things which are going to help you progress. And for me, that is this notion of escaping the hustle, escaping this imprisonment of the work that you think you have to do so you can actually do some things that matter. That might be half an hour going for a walk. That might be half an hour with the other half. That might be an hour to do a little bit of meditation or exercise. And that might be, lo and behold, a little bit of time each day to read a novel because it's going to just expand your mind or read a little bit of philosophy, dive into the realm of stoicism, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny. Um, I think we follow the same people. And I, I have heard if you commit to reading 10 minutes a day, even if it's just as little as 10 minutes a day, same thing with meditation, commit to as little as meditating 10 minutes a day, all these things have a, an exponential impact in your life in terms of that ability to sort of stop and slow down and process your thoughts, even if it's just 10. And then the 10 minutes a day reading, um, you're, just, you're, ed- you're educating yourself in some way. And what I'm also realizing, sorry, before I pass it on to you, I'm realizing is no matter what our philosophies are on hustle, one thing that we both agree on is regardless of smart and hard or smart versus hard, discipline is essential. Oh, yeah. And yes. So regardless of discipline and, and clarity of focus. So if anything, anyone, anyone listening to the podcast, one thing that I would say is, is regardless of what, what you, you feel your thoughts are on those things, it's you really do have to focus and gain that clarity, but also being disciplined enough to be able to create your day to sustain um, the type of lifestyle that you want. But yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's hard. You know, you fall off the wagon. I'm finding it harder at the moment because I've got a soon-to-be one-year-old daughter. And I've had to give up certain things. I'm not able to do as much in the morning as I'd like. I'm not having as much time to do reading because I've just got other things that I need to do. So it ebbs and flows, and you've got to be, like, at peace with that. But just before we go back onto the discipline, it's like um, just something that you mentioned there, just having, I suppose... You know, like just the, the time to, to kind of have it all. It's just bringing a little bit of intention into your day. You know, just deciding what's important for you. You know, I think if, if you're able to do that and make sure about how you spend your time, like you're in control of the time that you're spending, so your time isn't in control of you, it makes a huge impact. You know, like you say, 10 minutes here and there. And I'll just use an example, like, I, I don't know if you'll have an answer for this, but I'm just going to send this out to the, to the listeners. Like, when you had your last big idea, maybe it was a problem you were trying to solve over the course of days or weeks. Maybe it was just an idea for a new product or service or book or whatever. Like, when did you come up with it? Was it when you were at the desk, you know, doing your work, whatever that may be, work, work, working all so hard? Or was it when you were walking? to the gym maybe it was it doing a little bit it, no it was it was actually it wasn't it was just transit i was writing i'm also a writer um and i was writing one of these blog posts and um i had just gotten fired and i moved to new city and i came across and i took a pause and then i, I came across an article that was it was like buzzfeed article um and it was like 31 signs that you're a third culture kid and i'm a third culture kid uh, essentially i spent the formative periods of my lives outside of my parents' culture. And an idea just sparked. It was like, oh, I'm third culture kid. Why don't I just create a community for that? And, and that was just how it flowed. It was just a random pause in the middle of my writing while looking at Facebook and seeing that article. And then that's what sparked my, uh, my idea. I mean, that's, that's great. Ideas come at any point in time, I suppose it debunks my sort of 
but hopefully you guys see my point. A lot of times when I come up with my ideas, it's when I'm just doing something that isn't necessarily related to work. And like you say, it might be just like you're, you're browsing through online. You're like looking at, you're doing another piece of work and it, you, know, you find an answer to something else. And it, it's just, when you do a little bit of like, whether it's meditation or yoga or you know, reading, something that's unrelated to your work, you just tap into a subconscious part of your mind. And you know, we could go in massive detail on things like flow state and you know, mindset, and, you know, everything like that. We don't need to. It's just, you're just tapping into a part of your brain that isn't used nearly often enough in today's modern, very busy society. And once you just allow that part of your brain to just have a little bit of room to marinate and to do its thing, it's, it's amazing what can happen. And that's, I suppose, my point of like, read a bit of fiction or, you know, go to the theater or watch a movie for the sake of it or listen to some music or just find time for all those things you don't feel like you've got the time to do. Like, you will still be working. Your brain will continue to work. It'll continue to problem solve. It'll continue to dream and have ambition and strive for so much. It's just not doing it in a very forced, sat at the keyboard, prodding at the screen in a way. Yeah. No, I agree. Of I agree. <laughs> no, no, it does. Um, it does. It does. So I, I guess in the interest of time, um, uh, we do have to wrap up soon, but I wanted to give people a chance to connect with you. So your website is turndog.co. Before we get to, to the website, can you talk to us about how people can work with you, one, and why you're so passionate about the, the, uh, developing communities of people that can change the world? Yeah, well, hopefully you, uh, my, my sort of passionate excitement for all this has come through on this. You know, I do go off on tangents and find my corner against the hustle, as you probably noticed, but I've really had some fun doing this now. It's... I think you mentioned it earlier. Sometimes these are the best interviews and conversations when there is that little bit of back and forth. So I've had a great time for one. I suppose what I'm trying to do with a book is to, I want a book to inspire. I want it to like open up a bit of a crack in the door, you know, that light bulb, if you will, and help those reading go, all right, yeah, I can relate to parts of this. Maybe I am still working in my business, but I would actually like to work on it. So the book is going to be the eye-opener and there's going to be this experiential, experience-driven community that goes behind it. I'm still figuring out exactly what that looks like. It's going to be alignment with the book and I'm really excited for it, but it's still very much forming and marinating away. But I want that to be a place for those who have had their eyes opened to then act on it. And it's not going to be, there's going to be training and everything like you would imagine because we all need to be shown how to do something. But the how really isn't going to be the point of this community. It's more going to be surrounded by the who, like who it is that you're surrounded by, why it is everyone is there. So I just want to bring together like-minded people who have decided, yeah, I want to work on my business. Yeah, I want to build a lifestyle that means something to me. It's going to be a community with loads of experiences and events and community tasks to allow them to come together, share ideas, collaborate, be there for one another, and experience things which maybe they would only otherwise read about or hear about or watch on a YouTube channel. And yeah, it's going to be a place to allow them to take action and to then be like, right, if this is what my definition of success is, I want to be surrounding myself with people to ensure. I get that. Nice. I love that. I love that. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And um, where can people find you? So yeah, my website is turndog.co. I'm writing a lot more articles this year, which I'm really excited about in alignment with a book. So I'll be posting everything on there. So yeah, if you want to like, just kind of learn more about me, there's on there, there's links to like Instagram and Facebook. I'm getting more active on Instagram. I share a lot of daily stuff on Facebook. So it's Matthew turner.writer um, after facebook.com if you want to learn a little bit more about the book and join the I don't even it's not even like a launch list it's just a, if you want to be kept in the loop list it's turndog.co forward slash beyond and there's a bit of a video there that dives into a little bit more about the book and what it's about and why I'm writing it 
And yeah, you can just add your name and email and I'll keep you in a loop once I have a clear idea of when it's going to be published. And whoever's on that list is going to get some sneak peek access and goodies. But yeah, it's a ways down the line. But I'm, I'm sharing a lot through Facebook, Instagram, my daily email. But it's all down turndog.co. All right. Turndog.co. Oh, this is good. This is good. Uh, the last question I always ask my audience is based on my mission statement. My mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So, Matthew, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Ooh, that's a good one. I suppose I like to think my difference, like the, the thing I'm good at, thing which is my sort of zone of genius is, is storytelling, narrative. Whatever I do, whether it's writing a book, whether it's these communities, I bring storytelling into it. And I encourage other people to use their story, to take charge of their story, to embrace their story, whatever it may be, whatever they may want it to be to fulfill, to achieve. So for me, this has been true from the day I started my business, the day I started writing, storytelling has been the constant. And I truly believe it will remain the constant going forward. Whether it's wow. me telling the story or helping other people tap into this. Yeah, yeah. Seems to me like your superpower is storytelling. And you do that to, uh, you use that rather to, to build community and also cause people to be introspective. Absolutely, Wolf. Thank you, man. And yeah, I couldn't <laughs> see myself. Yeah, no, the pleasure is mine. I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been a, this has been a very interesting conversation, Matthew. <laughs> it has. It has. It's a real pleasure. And thank you for having me. No, the, the, the pleasure is mine. And ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you.